This morning we continue our series called The Journey that we've been doing since uh, Easter. And, and the big focus for the series so far has been the fact that our, our journey never ends. Before the resurrection of the dead, before Jesus rose from the dead, our journey ended where? In the grave. But now God's promise to you, to me, to all people is that Jesus has lived, He has died, He's forgiven us of our sins, He has conquered the grave. Now, for those who believe, the journey never ends in heaven. And eternal pleasure is at God's right hand. Right? And so what does our journey look like now that we know that this journey never ends, that it's going to continue forever? What does it look like? That's what the, the big idea to this series has been. And it's important as we talk through the journey to realize that while all of our journeys end up with us in heaven, for those who believe, uh, our journeys here on earth are all going to look differently. We're all going to experience different moments in life that have big impact on us. And some of those moments, some of those, th- those uh, circumstances, those situations that have big impact in our lives change who we are. Not just changing of our circumstances, not just changing the the situations around us, but it actually changes us. It changes our perspective on life. It changes the way we view our purpose in life. It changes the way we view the world. And so what are some of those big moments for your life? Maybe your life completely changed and it changed who you are as uh, you went to college for the first time. You, you left the, the sheltered home of your parents where you grew up and it was a great environment, but now you stepped onto that university and everything changed. You changed. Maybe it was when you went overseas and, and you fought in a war and you saw the brutalities of war. You saw other parts of the world and you saw what war was really like and it hardened you a little bit. Maybe you changed as you served uh, homeless people down at a food shelter uh, down in Austin. And you saw what they deal with on a day-to-day basis. And, and now all of a sudden your first world problems don't seem like that big of a deal. Now all of a sudden you, you are changed to be more grateful, more thankful for everything that you have because you see what other people deal with on a day-to-day basis. Maybe it was a big mistake that you made. You wish you could take it back, but you made it. It's done and over with. And those consequences of that action has changed who you are and maybe who you have to be. Maybe it was the day you got married. Maybe it was the day you had a baby. And and now all of a sudden you couldn't be a kid anymore. You're responsible for somebody else. Two, three, four other people. Now it's changed who you are as you take care of your family. All of these are big moments in life, right? All these are big moments on your journey that changes who you are. And yet, as we've been talking about this morning, there's something even greater that changes who you are, and it's love. The love of God. And that's what we get to look at today in John chapter 13 uh, as we continue this series. John. John is... One of those four books we call the Gospels, the, the biographies of Jesus. Remember, the Bible is, is a book, one big book made up of 66. Four of them are deal with Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And John is one of them. John chapter 13, it's actually the night before Jesus dies. And Jesus and his 12 followers, his 12 disciples, are in the upper room in Jerusalem. Uh, it's, a, it's quite literally an upper room in a house that they rented out 
And uh, they're up there celebrating the Jewish festival known as Passover. And up there, uh, several things happen. Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. They have the Passover feast. And Jesus teaches His disciples uh, a lot of things. Uh, We just get a snapshot of it from John 13 to 17. uh, But there was even more that was said. And in John chapter 13, where we're going to pick up, what has just happened is Jesus has announced to his followers, his 12 disciples, one of you, one of your, my closest friends, one of you is going to betray me. And after a few discussion points, uh, it finally came out, Judas, you're going to be the one who betrayed me. And truth be told, Judas had already had the plans in place. And so Jesus says to him, friend, what you're going to do, do quickly. Judas gets up, leaves the table, and goes, sets the plan in motion. So Jesus is now talking to his 11 followers as they're sitting around the table with him. And here's what he says. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now. Where I'm going, you cannot come. Where's he going? To the cross, right? And on the cross, guess where else he's going? To hell. To hell. And Jesus says, you guys can't come. This is a solo mission. You can't come because I don't even want you to come. Because I don't want you to experience this. This is my whole purpose in being here. So that you don't have to come to this place. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So Jesus is leaving his disciples. He's going away. Things will never be the same now because Jesus is dying. Jesus is going away. And so Jesus says, before I leave you guys, I want you to know something. A new command. Love one another. Is that really a new command? Not really. In one sense, it's not. Leviticus 19, right? Uh, where Moses, through, God through Moses tells the people, love your neighbor as yourself. The people have known we're supposed to be loving one another. So what's the new command? It's the second part, right? As I have loved you, so you must love one another. This was a new kind of love they are experiencing. A new quality of the love. They have seen it. They have experienced it. They have witnessed the unconditional, limitless love of Jesus. And Jesus says, as I have loved you this way, as you have experienced this, now go love others this way. Love one another with a limitless, unconditional love. Because that's what Jesus is all about. He's all about love. And that's your first point today. As we're on our journey, when you come to know Jesus, you come to know love. And that's what the disciples had experienced. They, on their journey of life, they came to meet Jesus, and what did they find? What did they experience? They met love. Think about who Jesus is, and think about who the disciples were. Jesus, the all-powerful God who created this world by simply speaking things into existence. Jesus, the holy and perfect God who can't be in the presence of sin uh, in eternity, right? Martin Luther, the great reformer, said that God can't be in the presence of sin any more than a straw, piece of straw can be in the presence of fire. This is Jesus, the holy and perfect God. What would motivate Him 
to take on human flesh? What would motivate him to greet one of his disciples with a kiss who he knows that with his mouth, his disciples' mouth, just moments before they were cursing someone or cursing God himself? What would motivate the God of this world, Jesus, to hug and embrace somebody that he knows has hurt somebody with their hands days before? What would motivate him to sit among his disciples as he can read all of their thoughts and he sees and hears all of the unloving thoughts that fill their minds? It's only love, right? Unconditional, limitless love. And he demonstrated this limitless, unconditional love at the beginning of chapter 13 when they entered the house. It was common practice during that day when you entered a house that they'd have a lowly servant there who would wash your feet. Uh, It doesn't make sense to us now because we wear shoes. We've got paved roads. Uh, This was first century. You're wearing open-toed sandals, no socks, also not fashionable, so you wouldn't wear socks with open-toed sandals. Uh, But it's dusty roads, and you're walking, and guess how they traveled? With horses and donkeys, right? So guess what's on the road? Dust, and, well, you, you know. And so I'm, walk, I'm walking, I'm talking with someone, not paying attention. Guess what I step in? And now I'm supposed to enter somebody's house? I don't think so. So they had a lowly servant there, someone on the very bottom of the food chain of the servanthood, who would wash these disgusting, offensive feet. Jesus and his disciples entered the upper room. Guess what? There's not a lowly servant to do this offensive job. And so guess what Jesus does? He wraps a towel around his waist, and he gets down on his knees and he washes his disciples' disgusting, offensive feet. Why? Only because of love. And it's only because of love that Jesus washed their disgusting, offensive feet and could sit next to somebody with a disgusting, offensive heart filled with unlo- uh, unloving thoughts and unloving feelings. It's only love. What do these disciples do to deserve this love? Nothing. Think about what's going to happen. Judas, when Jesus washed their feet, Judas was there. Judas left to go betray him. Peter, in a little while, is going to deny even knowing him. All the disciples are going to desert him. And guess what uh, argument breaks out shortly after Jesus does this disgusting, offensive job? Which disciple is the greatest? They argue over this. And Jesus is sitting there among them. It's only love. He doesn't look at them and say, hey, out of all of the Jews in the Middle East, you guys are the most lovable, so I'm going to love you. He doesn't look at them and say, out of all the people in the Middle East, you have the best qualities that I can do ministry through, so I'm going to love you. He doesn't look at them and say, you guys are the best morally behaved, so I'm going to love you. No. Jesus just loved them. And he says, now that you have experienced this limitless, unconditional love that deals with even the offensiveness of you, love others this way. And so now is the part when we have to ask ourselves a tough question. Jesus says, as I have loved you, love one another. Then they will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. Is this the kind of love we have for other people? Is this the kind of love we have for one another? 
Or do we love like the world loves? The world loves in a very selfish way, right? What do you have to offer me? I will love you if you offer me something. I will love you if I deem it a good return on my investment. I will love you if you love me back. Jesus says, I love you and I put up with, I put up with everything for you because I love and care about you. And so how do we love? When someone comes to church for the first time, when we have guests here, do we love them? Do we follow up with them? Do we welcome them? Do we get to know them? Because we actually just love and care about that person? Or because we want them to be part of our church so that they can be part of our statistical growth, so that they can be part of our financial plan because they're going to give to our church. And that's really our motivation for loving. When people come to our church with kids who are maybe a little bit more noisy, do we love them? Or do we say, well, it'd be okay if they left? When people come to our church who are maybe different than us, more offensive than we are, do we love them? Or do we let other people love them? Yesterday, we had a groundbreaking ceremony for our church and school, and in about a year, we're going to have families coming to us to register their kids. Do we love those kids and those family members because we love them and care about them, or do we love them because they go to our tuition dollars? When we love our spouse, do we love and care for them because we love and care for them, or do we love and care for them because we're banking up points to cash in later on? Because we know that if we love them and serve them, they're going to in turn love and serve us. And when they don't reciprocate that love, well then uh, I'm going to get a little bitter and I'm going to stop loving them and serving them until uh, reciprocation starts happening. When somebody offends us, when somebody hurts us, do we love and care for them? Or do we say they need to apologize to me first, then I will start to think about loving them. When it comes to serving, do we serve here at church because we love others? And we say, this is my way of showing that I love others. This is my, I love others so much I'm willing to do this. Or do we say, no one else is doing it so I'm stuck doing this. See, if we're honest with ourselves, we don't love like Jesus loves. We love like the world. And that's because of sin. Sin has turned us inward. Sin has turned us selfish. Sin has turned our love conditional. We will love if we fill in the blank, right? Sin makes us view people as commodities where I will love them because I get something out of them. And Jesus says, no. Love is limitless. Love is unconditional. Love like this is what the world needs, is what we need. And love like this is what my disciples display. And then we sit and we think, oh man. (laughs) Oh man. Now where was I? (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like there is. Love like this, when Jesus says love like this, we sit and we think, oh no, right? What does my heart look like? It must be so offensive to Jesus because my heart is not 
filled with this love. It must be dirty. It must be offensive. It must be incredibly uh, offensive to Jesus. And Jesus has to say, I don't want anything to do with you. That's what we're left realizing, right? Then they will know you are my disciples. I don't show this love. And then we start thinking, how can we get into God's good graces? How can we make Jesus love us? What do we have to do? And you can't do anything because you can't love like Jesus wants you to love. And so how do we get into good graces with God? It's not you. It's not you. Here's your next point. Jesus loves you because He loves you. Jesus loves you because He loves you. That's it. We just listed how, we, how, how much uh, our love is conditional. And yet Jesus says, I love you because I love you. He doesn't look at you and say, hey, out of Liberty Hill, you guys are the most lovable people. He doesn't look at you and say, I can do most ministry through you, therefore I love you. He doesn't look at you and say, you're the most morally good people in the area, so I'm going to love you. No. Jesus says, I love you because I love you. This is limitless, unconditional love that I have for you, He says. And it's the love, that love that burned in his heart that had him deal with your offensive, dirty heart. It's the love that burned in his own heart for you that drove him to this earth, that he took on human flesh. It's love that burned in his heart that that drove him to fight every burning temptation that uh, the devil threw at him. It's love burning in his heart for you that willingly he extended his hands and his feet so that they could nail it to a cross. It was love that he had for you that kept him on the cross where he paid for all of your sins. It's love burning in his heart for you that he dove headfirst into the fires of hell so that you don't have to. And through it all, what did he do? He removed all the offensiveness from your heart. He removed all the the sin. He washed it clean. And now you stand before God as holy and perfect, as somebody who loves like Jesus. That's how God sees you. That's how Jesus sees you. Because He has completely removed all of the offenses from your heart. Maybe you're here today and it, or listening online, it's the first time that you're ever hearing about this and you're saying to yourself, could this really be for me because I've done some really bad things in my life. Yes, Jesus loves you unconditionally, limitlessly, and He has forgiven you. Maybe you've been away from church for a while and you're just coming back. Know that Jesus doesn't love you just because you started coming back to church. He loved you even when you were away from church. But He loves the fact that you're coming back to Him and having a relationship with Him. And He forgives you and loves you unconditionally. Maybe you sit here every Sunday listening. Know that Jesus doesn't love you because of your church attendance records or because of your financial giving. He loves you because He loves you and He has forgiven you and His love has driven Him to the cross for you. This is a love that Jesus has. And now He says, love others this way. And when we, on our journey come to meet Jesus and we see this love and we experience this love, we are never the same. And that's your last point today. When you meet Jesus, the journey is never the same. That day is today. You have met Jesus once again today and you have experienced His love once again. And when His love sinks down into your hearts, 
That's when His love comes out through your words, through your actions, and in your thoughts. We keep coming back to His love on our journey to be filled with His love, and His love then spills out of our hearts to other people. This is how we love one another. And when we do, we change people's lives as we draw them to our loving Savior. In just about a year, we are going to be in this new building what is our reputation going to be in the community? I pray that when somebody thinks of Divine Savior, I pray that when someone thinks of you because you go to Divine Savior, that they think of love. Limitless, unconditional love that loves even the most offensive things because we love and care for others because our Savior has loved and cared for us so much that He lived for us, died for us, opened the gates of heaven for us. And He's done that for everyone else. And so I pray that when people think of us, they think of love. And that through that love, we can lead them to their Savior so that their journey, their lives, are never the same. May God be with us this week as we grow and we grow deeper in His love. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we praise and thank You for Your love, Your unconditional, limitless love that continues to be patient, gentle, and kind uh, to us. Uh, We thank You for Your patience as we struggle to love. Uh, We know that Your love will never be taken from us, but instead You will continue to reach out to us, correct us, rebuke us, and bring us back to uh, the path of righteousness in Your name's sake. We ask You to be with us. Fill our hearts with Your love that our love may overflow to others. We ask all this in Your name. Amen. Part of the privilege 